Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. How's it going, Giants fans? My name is Alex, and my co-host here, Anthony Rivardo. And today, we want to discuss a couple different topics. The obviously good news of Nick Gates and really great stuff going on there. Daniel Jones winning Offensive Player of the Week for the NFC. Talk about his progression, the stats he's put forth recently, and some impressive things that you know have definitely caught our attention in a lot of other people. And I think the the, the script is definitely flipping. Um, you know, I'll be the first to tell you that before this season, I did not see how Daniel Jones could save himself. Uh, after the last couple of years under Jason Garrett. But I'll tell you what, Brian Dable, Mike Kafka have gotten absolute most out of him. He's playing really, really good football. And I think that's something that we should all acknowledge. Um, and right now he's making good arguments to be the future of this team. And, and, and there's a couple of different reasons I believe that um, he can be and, you know, progress that we need to see the rest of the way. I'm not convinced just yet, but I'm definitely getting there. And I think that what we've seen is definitely uh, a driving force behind that. But Anthony, before we dive into Nick Gates, some good news on that end. How do you do today, my friend? I'm doing great. Really excited for the Nick Gates news that we're about to dive into. And then with Daniel Jones, it's been such an impressive start to the season for him. I mean, a lot of us really thought that this was going to be his last year with the New York Giants. But I told you, man, if he plays well enough, you got to franchise tag him, right? I don't know if he's going to be able to play his way all the way into an extension, but the franchise tag is definitely on the table right now for Daniel Jones. He's been so impressive. Again, winning NFC Offensive Player of the Week, the first Giants quarterback to rush for 100 yards since like 1946. It was a great performance over there in Jacksonville, and it's been a string of great performances from Daniel Jones. We talked a couple of weeks ago, and I wrote an article about Daniel Jones and how he's playing winning football right now, and that's exactly what he's doing. He's grinding out these late games. He's putting together game-winning drives, and he's not putting the ball in harm's way, which is a huge night and day difference from the Daniel Jones that we know from the past. So I know that it's not very frequent that we see quarterbacks break out in year four, but it isn't unprecedented. It has happened before. And if you really think back to the New York Giants history, many of us recall year four for Eli Manning. That's actually when he had his breakout season. That's when the Giants won that Super Bowl. So Daniel Jones having a year four breakout. Don't want to get too carried away here, but he's definitely playing well enough, I think, at this point if he finishes the year out this strong to get that franchise tag and at least buy himself some more time with the Giants. It's been very, very impressive to watch him work. I'm thrilled by the work that the coaching staff has done with him. And again, Daniel Jones, man, it's just been so impressive to see him get the start to the season. Yeah, I mean, look, not many expected it, or at least as well as he's been playing, but there's a couple different variables um, I want to discuss. And, you know, starting out with Nick Gates, as I mentioned before, he was activated to the to the active roster today, coming back from the unbelievable, you know, storyline of seven different surgeries he required to, you know, fix that broken leg he suffered against Washington in week two of last year. Seven surgeries. There was a possibility he was never going to walk again, let alone play football or even do anything. Now he's on the active roster, which I imagine if you're on the active roster, you're able to play. You know, most people, if you're on the active roster, you're not playing. Um, you know, so this is definitely a situation where I think the Giants losing Ben Bredesen, losing Evan Neal, uh, at least for the next couple of weeks, they need a guy to step up and Nick Gates can be that guy. Um, I wonder if they get him some reps this upcoming week against Seattle. I wonder if they hold him out until after the bye week. You know, we'll see kind of how they go about this. But this is definitely one of those heroic storylines, uh, those storybook endings, fairy tale endings, where Nick Gates comes back from a potentially like life altering injury and is able to play football again. He's been taking some snaps in practice with uh, Daniel Jones and whatnot. Uh, so we'll see how they kind of ease him into the situation here. But um, this is such a 
just the, this is just how the Giants are about, man. You know what I mean? Like Giants are like supposed to be these hard workers, you know, representing this community, representing this city and New York in general. Um, and you know, the hard people, the people that work really, really hard to make a living here, the, you know, as Joe judge would say, the white collar workers are blue, whatever of New York. And Nick Gates kind of represents all of us, man. Like if you're in New York city, grinding it out day by day, it's raining and nasty out here. Like it, it, he just is such a you know, representation of everybody. Um, and, and it's really, it's awesome to see his story come, you know, full circle and come back to full health here and maybe make an impact the rest of the way. So big shout out to Nick Gates, who, you know, we're all huge fans of, and we're so happy that he's able to, uh, make an impact once again on this team. But looking at Daniel Jones, um, he's also making an impact, right? He won the offensive uh, player of the week award for the NFC after a pretty solid performance against the Jacksonville Jaguars in week six. We're talking about over 200 passing yards, talking about 107 rushing yards. So over 300 yards of total offense, you know, by most accounts, not insane, but he really worked with a lot of adversity uh, going against him. You know, Ballinger getting knocked out, Bredesen, Neil getting knocked out, no receivers, Wandale getting knocked out in the second half. Um, you know, he really overcame a lot of hurdles and he, he made the most of what he had to work with. And you're talking about Saquon really, you know, leaning into him. You're talking about Tanner Hudson. Um, you're talking about like Richie James, David Sills, Darius Slayton, you know, guys who probably wouldn't be on the roster for better teams, um, or better rosters, but for the giants, they're a very good team and they're making the most out of guys who, you know, probably he would be on practice squads another on other squads. So that's definitely something to be excited about. Daniel Jones at the forefront of making it all work. And the one thing that I really like to mention about Daniel Jones. He's playing incredibly clean football, right? He's making really good decisions. We've seen him running out of the pocket, throwing the ball away, throwing it out of the end zone, not risking plays when you don't need to. Um, that smart football has, has given the Giants opportunities to stay in games. You know, those turnovers he had in the past were momentum shifters. They are the, the reasons the, the the Giants lost some of those games and lost momentum halfway through and they had a little bit of it. Um, now he's caught out all of those. The, the last two turnovers he had, the one against Baltimore, was a halftime Hail Mary. I'm not even putting that against him. I don't even count that one. The one before that, David Sills slipped and fell. Um, and, and didn't even get uh didn't even get an opportunity. And I think there was another Hail Mary that was intercepted at halftime as well. So like three interceptions or three turnovers that he had, none of them were really his fault. There were two Hail Marys and one David Sills falls um, and Trayvon Diggs picks it off. So, you know, I'm not going to blame DJ for that at all. Everything else has been extremely clean, extremely efficient, disciplined, execution has been perfect, running the ball extremely well. So he has some of the best fakes I've I've seen in a long time from a quarterback, those bootleg play action. I can't even tell where the ball's going in those instances. Um, he's really elevated his game around across the board, Anthony. When you're looking at what Daniel Jones has has done to step up here in this season, what are some of the bigger valuables that you've that you've witnessed? I know, you know, the clean football is definitely one that stands out to me. Yeah, the clean football, I mentioned that earlier, that is the number one variable that stands out to me. Daniel Jones is keeping the ball out of harm's way. He's playing conservatively. He's playing clean. He's playing winning football. He's only taking those deep shots when he knows he has them, right? The touchdown to Darius Slayton, he knew that he had Darius Slayton on that play. He's not forcing anything in the traffic, and he's not making any boneheaded mistakes, any dumb decisions. His pocket awareness has also vastly improved. I recall in his rookie season, there would be plays where Daniel Jones just could not keep his eyes in the pocket here. He couldn't get his eyes pass downfield. He could not sense the pressure. He would have tunnel vision, just stand there, wait and wait, and then just get sacked and fumble. 
that happens so frequently, but that's not happening anymore. Daniel Jones is sensing the pressure. He's bailing on the pocket. He's getting out into space and finding clean throwing lanes. And that's a huge improvement over where he used to be. Another thing with Daniel Jones, he's not requiring everyone around him to do his dirty work. It's no longer the Saquon Barkley show. I mean, it still is because Saquon Barkley is still having phenomenal plays and phenomenal games, but Saquon is not required to carry the Giants offense anymore. In week one, he carried the Giants to that victory. Daniel Jones, he did throw a bad interview interception in that game and he played a decent game but it wasn't his best but now in week seven you're seeing Daniel Jones arguably carrying the Giants to wins I mean he was NFC offensive player of the week he threw a great touchdown pass to Darius Slayton he got the quarterback sneak touchdown he put the points on the board for the New York Giants and he led them down the field for multiple scoring drives Saquon Barkley again playing great football but not required to be the sole reason that the Giants are winning games anymore and that's been the difference maker the Giants have been able to sustain this winning streak and keep it going because it's not just one player propelling them to victory. It's now the quarterback and the running back, which is a huge, huge difference compared to having it just be all placed on the running back. So Daniel Jones, you mentioned the adversity that he's fought through. So many drops on Sunday and a lot of drops throughout the season, a major lack of receiving talent, a lot of injuries in the receiving department, including at the tight end position with Daniel Bellinger. He might not play again this season. That's a big hole, but he was knocked out of the game. Daniel Jones still found a way. He connected with his backup tight ends. He connected with all of these backup receivers that he's playing with, and he's done everything that the coaching staff has asked of him. The Giants offense right now is running through Daniel Jones, whether that be he's getting the ball to the receivers accurately, even though they're not the best receivers, he's delivering these passes accurately, especially in the short to intermediate ranges, or he's being the diversion for Saquon Barkley rushing attempts, or Saquon Barkley is a diversion for Daniel Jones rushing attempts and some big rushing plays out of Daniel Jones. So the offense is really running through Daniel Jones rather than running through Saquon Barkley right now, which is a huge change of pace from where we were in weeks one and two. And again, it's just been very impressive to see how Daniel Jones has gotten so comfortable in this offensive scheme, executed the game plan and played winning football. Yeah, and there's a couple different stats I do want to mention. So, you know, you mentioned Saquon Barkley a little bit, and he has 28 first downs this year um, on the ground, and Daniel Jones has 29. Uh, so it's like, it's pretty, maybe not on the ground, maybe just in total, but it's pretty incredible to see uh, the efficiency that both of those guys have had. They're equaling each other, you know, and having Saquon has really helped this offense take a step forward. And not to mention, Daniel Jones has five come-from-behind wins in the fourth quarter. Five come from behind wins in the fourth quarter guys. Um, this team is a fourth quarter team, you know? Yes. Would I prefer them to just blow out every single team and, and win by like double digits? Yes, that would be awesome. But the reality is the giants are still a developing team. They're still in a rebuild for the most part. They may end up, it may, we, we may end up looking back on it and saying, you know, it wasn't as much rebuild because we're going to retain some of these guys. Um, but there is a big question at the end of the tunnel that says if Daniel Jones and Saquon are justifying being retained, uh, which one gets the franchise tag? Does I think that maybe you're looking at Saquon getting the tag and DJ getting the extension um, because they might be able to keep DJ's money lower than $32 million a year, which I think is the 2023 franchise tag for quarterbacks. I don't think he's going to get 32 mil on the open market. Um, so with that being said, you might be able to extend him on three years at like, 25 maybe and save yourself seven million dollars a season so you know it's an argument it's a discussion to have for another day no doubt uh but something that it, that has crossed my mind at this point um but looking at daniel jones in general you know i really like how brian dable and mike kafka have gotten the most out of him on the ground you know what i mean like the receivers haven't been very good he's on pace for all 833 yards rushing this season that's double his 2020 stats 
uh, which was his highest prior to this year. So, you know, he's he's on pace for almost a thousand yards rushing, which is absolutely unbelievable from the quarterback position. But what I like the most about how he's running is that they're keeping him safe while doing it. You know what I mean? They're they're designing these runs for him. He's escaping the pocket. He's got to get a little bit better at sliding. He scares the crap out of me sometimes when he goes down and he like he like his has his head dangling up there for someone to hit. Um but if he can get better at that and protect his body, protect himself, he's going to be an incredibly difficult uh, player to let go of because that dual threat and, you know, as the receivers get a little bit healthier, if we do get Tony back, if we do get Galladay, if they even makes an impact, um, Wandell, you know, he's healthy and I think he's going to play this week. Uh, you know, Slayton's really stepped up lately. What I've really enjoyed seeing is that Daniel Jones really relied on his legs the first couple of weeks, but now he's starting to really get more his arm more incorporated and you're seeing the better reading of the defense, his pocket presence guys night and day, you know, he's, he's climbing through the pocket. He's feeling the pressure. He's avoiding those, that, that pressure. And he's making something happen with his legs. Um, he has been sacked 20 times this year, which would be, he's on pace to be sacked the most in his career, but again, 17 games compared to 16. So probably not as bad as you would see. Um, I think it is his career high right now is 45 sacks. I think he would be below that if you were looking at it in a 16 game setting. Um, but the way that they're extrapolating on his running game and keeping him safe while doing it has really impressed me, but I am, there is a lot left to be desired for the risk for the passing game. They've, they've designed this offense to protect him, to give him more time rolling out bootlegs, um, a lot of creativity, keeping the defense really focused in on Saquon to give him more opportunities, um, on the run and, and, you know, rolling out to that right side. Um, but do you think that's sustainable? Do you think that they can run this forever? Or do you think eventually they're going to need the receivers to get healthy? They're going to need to add some more talent there. And Daniel Jones is going to have to throw from the pocket. They, they, there really hasn't been that many true pass sets this this year so far, and that is something that I think could end up biting them in the butt when the league adjusts to how the Giants are running their offense. Um, and it's funny though because it really is just predicated on creativity. You know, the entire offense is we're going to get as creative as possible and masks and mask all of our deficiencies. Um, I think that is a sustainable practice, but having that in addition to being a, to having you know some pocket presence, uh, some some clean pockets and throwing from the pocket. Um, and having a dangerous running game, that's the perfect balance you want. Right now, they have a pretty good balance of running and creativity, but they have to have that traditional pass set uh, you know, incorporated at some point in the future. And I think that uh, they will. It's just a matter of um, how long it's going to take. Yeah, so I think with what you're asking here, two things can be true. So yes, I think that it is sustainable. And the reason why is because, yes, the play caller is very creative, and I don't see that slowing down. Mike Kafka has been impressive from the start of the season, and I think he'll be impressive through the end of the season. Hopefully that's in February for the Giants, okay? I think that Mike Kafka has just been tremendous. He has put his players in position to succeed on every single down. But the inverse is also true. The Giants do need to get Daniel Jones throwing the ball to some open receivers. He can't just be making all the plays with his legs, with creative play calls. Again, it's sustainable because Mike Kafka is going to continue to call good games. He's been dialing it up in the second half, especially something that I've noticed with the Giants. They might start out slow in the first half. That's why they keep falling behind in games. But they're coming back to win because Mike Kafka and Brian Dable are going into that locker room, making those halftime adjustments and succeeding and winning the game because of those adjustments. That's something that I've noticed. So you'll see Daniel Jones maybe not play the best first half. Maybe they don't utilize his legs to the fullest extent. Second half, they see something that, that they wanted to build on in the second half. And Mike Kafka starts calling those plays to expose that weakness in the defense. And Daniel Jones capitalizes on it. So that's something that I've seen there, right? Yes, I do think it's sustainable because, yes, I think Mike Kafka is a creative play caller. But, yes, I also think the Giants need to get some receiving talent into this building. Now, I know that 
Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony not practicing today. Definitely not going to be playing this week. But then we have the bye week, and then maybe after that, that's another two weeks of rehabbing for them. They might be ready then. So, yeah, you can inject those guys back into the lineup after the bye week, hopefully get some more receiving talent. How impactful will they be? Remains to be seen when they're on the field. They haven't been too impactful this season. So I don't know how much of an addition those guys really are to the lineup in all honesty. But there are guys out there who are dropping passes. And maybe Kenny Galladay can at least provide some reliable hands. We'll see. And then going forward here, you know that the trade deadline is right on the horizon. Maybe the Giants actually do go out there. Pick and take a flyer on somebody, right? Like Denzel Mims. I know over the uh, preseason, he wanted to get out of New York. Maybe the Giants go ahead and take a flyer on him. He kind of dominated the Giants in preseason. They could take a chance on a guy like that. That should be a low-cost, high-reward, medium-risk type of acquisition. So I think that the Giants do need to start getting Daniel Jones some receiving talent in the building before season's end because – Honestly, the way that the Giants are playing, they're going to push into the playoffs, hopefully, if they keep this up. And hopefully, they'll be strong enough to make a run in the playoffs. But they need more talent. They definitely need some more receiving talent. Someone reliable for Daniel Jones to count on, especially on those third downs and those tough situations where the Giants need a first down on third and long or second and long. You know, that's where they need some more receiving talent. So I think the Giants offense is going to continue to evolve as we've seen it evolve. Again, first few weeks straight through Saquon Barkley. That's how the offense was running. Now, a lot of it's running through Daniel Jones with Saquon Barkley mixed in as the primary back, of course. But I think going forward, it's going to evolve a little bit further. Hopefully, the Giants start to incorporate some more passing concepts. It's a very run-heavy offense right now, which is something we did not expect. Brian Dable loves to air the ball out. Mike Kafka loves to air the ball out. And somehow, those two have combined to create a lethal rushing attack with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. So, so impressive. But going forward, I expect them to start to incorporate more passing concepts concepts, get the ball to the receivers in space, create more opportunities downfield for Daniel Jones. And then once they have that element mixed into this offense, it's already got a lethal rushing attack. Go to sleep. Goodbye. Giants offense is going to kill you. It's going to be really scary. And I can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. And there are a couple more guys returning to practice. Your guy, Matt Pert, is returning to practice. Pretty cool. Ellerson Smith and Rodarius Williams. So, you know, that's in addition to Nick Gates. So the, Yankee, the Giants are getting some reinforcements here. Um, you know, we'll see what the kind of impact is. But, you know, Matt Pert might be able to fill in at right tackle if Evan Neal has to miss a significant amount of time. But Tyree Phillips looked pretty good last week. So I think he's kind of got that locked down for now. Um, Nick Gates, that left guard spot, that's one I'm definitely curious to see what happens. I, I want to see... Um, if Gates gets an opportunity left guard, but I imagine Azudu is going to be the guy um, that really locks that down. They, they they have a lot of faith in the rookie. He's a really, really good run blocker, which the Giants obviously have predicated their entire offense on up to this point. Um, and he's getting a little bit better as a pass protector. So I feel confident in, uh, in Azudu kind of making an impact here early on. Um, he can, you know, get some reps and, and grow a little bit more. But Ellerson Smith, that's a guy that a lot of people had some hopes for, and he hasn't really been able to do much injured pretty much since we drafted him. Maybe he can come back and do something. Rodarius Williams of the ACL Terry last year, you know, had some good moments. Um, we'll see if he can return, maybe help out. Um, you know, I know Fabian Moreau's looked pretty solid. He's had some good games, so I'm, I'm pretty confident he's going to be the CB2 moving forward. Um but I'm definitely excited about this Giants team, man. We're six and one. We have a chance to go seven and one before the bye week. There's a lot of hype, a lot of optimism regarding this squad and what we can accomplish in the near future. We're going to start to look at the Seattle Seahawks tomorrow, kind of look at their weaknesses, their strengths, how we can beat them. They don't have DK Metcalf. That's a huge one. Kenneth Walker, though, Giants have been a little bit susceptible against the run lately. And Kenneth Walker is an absolute freaking animal. Um, so we're going to have to try to find ways to limit him. Leonard Williams, Kayvon, Aziz, like, not rather not Aziz, but Dexter Lawrence. These guys got to step up. Jihad Ward's a big one, too. The linebackers of the second 
second level. Those are the ones that need to come to play and make a big impact. But guys, love to hear your perspectives and opinions below in the YouTube comments about Nick Gates returning. Um, you know, Daniel Jones winning offensive rookie, uh, player of the week for the NFC. Um, his growth, some things that you may have noticed that you've really appreciated about him up to this point. Um, I'm always excited to hear your perspectives as always. Make sure to like, subscribe, enjoy the rest of your day. We'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Giants episode.